welcome back to the Witchology podcast. It is episode number seven. I can't believe we've been doing this for nearly two months already. How exciting is that? Um, so today I have a very exciting um, episode for you, a Gabriella Herstic double whammy. I've got a book review and then a wonderful interview with Gabriella um, that I think you're going to really enjoy. We are talking everything, uh, I would say, you know, it's sex magic and the divine erotic, but I would caveat that with, there is like, it's essentially explorations of the self, you know, it's not necessarily, you can, although we're talking about it in the context of sex magic, there are, you know, you can also apply a wider lens, if that makes sense. Uh, I think it'll make more sense by the end of the episode, so <laughs> I'm just going to get right to it, stuck in to the book review. So my book review this week is Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic by Gabriella Herstic. This book was published in 2022 by Tarcha Perigee. I don't have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> and I bought my copy from Treadwells. So just wanted to give a shout out to Treadwells because they are my fave. Okay, so let's start with a synopsis so you know what I'm talking about. There has never been a more vital time to embrace the union of sex and spirit. With Gabriella's expert and inclusive guidance, learn to shed socially ingrained shame and reclaim your sexuality as nothing short of divine. Honouring the sexual as a path to the sacred is life and heart changing work that begins with recognising your desires and standing in your erotic power. Whether you are single or in a relationship or relationships, embracing the divine erotic can infuse your life with purpose, love, self-lust and plenty of magic. So to be honest, I've enjoyed all of Gabriella's books so far. Um, they're all structured in a similar way that I find to be really intuitive. They explore the concepts of whatever the particular book is about and offer diverse ways with engaging with them. Um, they're always like open enough for you to properly craft them within your practice, is what I would say. And Sacred Sex is absolutely no different. Um, it serves as a, I would say, a practical guide to your a practical guide to your journey through a very specific part <laughs> of self-discovery. And, you know, we are always looking for more self-discovery. And this bit, I think because our relationships with sex are quite um, specific and unique, like to each of us. So I think what this book does really well is really sensitively and delicately handles handles that, you know, and doesn't force you into any one particular box uh, you know when you're thinking about all of these things so the overarching purpose of the book is to you know support you like I said to support you through that process of understanding yourself how you navigate your own personal world of like pleasure and using pleasure to expand your spiritual practices or like connect with them in a different way I do think it's important to note first though uh, that although the book is called sacred sex Gabriella makes a very clear point that pleasure isn't necessarily related to sexual acts, you know. It includes anything that brings you joy and sort of, I don't know, like that overload of good feeling. Um, anything that gives you that big hit of dopamine, essentially. So I think that's a really key point that you need to um, hold on to, especially if you kind of hear the, the title, we think, oh, sacred sex, and you're, you might be um, asexual, you might be just someone that... Um, you know that it's just not that's not the path you take there could still be a really good way of exploring um just how you experience joy you know in your life and what and that experience of joy how you can use that to then connect spiritually um or connect 
have a spirit, different kind of spiritual connection with anything, really. So through the journey of the book, uh, Gabriella has set out what I would describe as like staging posts that logically support your movement through the concept of the divine erotic and then into sex magic within that. So starting with your relationship with sex and pleasure, getting rid of shame or most shame <laughs> um, that you may have around it, thinking about why you might not or why you might currently deny yourself of pleasure and avoid, you know, getting to know what you find pleasurable or or knowing what you find pleasurable, but not admitting it. <laughs> so from that, taking you from that into moving into specific practices and ways to incorporate sex magic or like the wider divine erotic, you know, that experience of joy um, into your witchcraft or spiritual practices. I think one really big, I don't know, the thing that, that kind of, um, what would I say? The thing that kind of captures or encapsulates the book as a whole would be, I think there's, there, there's a section right near the beginning that prompts you to write down all of your own definitions. So uh, definitions of sex, sensuality, uh, the erotic, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that really helps you to contextualize everything else within the book, which I think is really clever because then it kind of keeps the book true to its word in that. Um, so one of the main uh, tenets right at the very beginning is that your own journey through sex and the divine erotic is completely shaped by you. You know, so the contents of the book then are shaped by <laughs> or is shaped by you through the very first section, which is, yeah, I think very clever. Um, within each section, then the concepts are explained very clearly, which we like, um, along with like any the origins and any history behind them. So you know, making note of any anything that kind of comes from other other cultures um, and other practices, what might have been inherited or you know from from anywhere else. Then and then follows that with uh, practical like rituals, affirmations, journal prompts, uh, things that can actively get you practicing so if you're not quite sure of like where to start or if it all seems a little bit daunting there are things in there that can be like even like just small things that you can just you can do quite easily um you don't need any special like tools or whatever there are things that are just there at your fingertips pun intended <laughs> um that you know can help you start exploring this side of things or this side of yourself or this kind of practice to finish up this review um, before we get into the ratings the best thing about the book is how inclusive it is and how Gabriella really sensitively includes way to contextualize the practices and information for people who have um, how do I put this like incurred some kind of sexual trauma so you know if you've been a victim of SA or um, have another kind of trauma that impacts your relationship with yourself or with sex um, there are really delicate ways of starting to explore that side of yourself or explore that side of yourself again you know um, and by that I don't mean necessarily that it's, it says you know this is how to start having sex again or you know how to you know look at that bit but more that it offers a supportive hand in taking the time to love yourself and like by showing yourself the compassion and kindness and patience that you that you need and deserve you know so overall I I loved it <laughs> it's inclusive it's accessible it's open-minded and like any good book there are a shitload of references <laughs> at the end that you can use for further reading so um yeah I think I would give it I don't even know I yeah I think I would just give it five stars you know and that's not just because um 
Gabrielle is also the uh, interview this week because <laughs> actually I'm reviewing this after I recorded the interview a couple of weeks ago so <laughs> um, no I think I would give it five stars I think it's laid out exactly the way that I like um, things to be you know it gives like actual practice and like practical things to use um, but does so in a way that doesn't make it feel like compulsory do you know what I mean or um, it invites you to shape it and craft it into your in your own vision or in your, your own ways or what resonates with you you know so yeah liked it would recommend my guest this week is gabriella herstick having published four books in as many years uh, gabriella has quickly become one of the most prominent voices in the global witchcraft community. Some of her most prolific work at the moment is centred around sex magic, hosting monthly play parties with her kink coven. So welcome, Gabriella. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Cool. So Gabriella is here to talk to us today about sex magic. Uh, so I think we need to start with a very specific point here before we get into anything else. So um, especially for our I don't know. I feel like there might be something, especially for our British listeners. But <laughs> so <laughs> just going by the title of this episode, there might be some people listening who are checking and double checking that their headphones are still firmly plugged in. You know, they might uh, be trying to make sure that no one else can see what they're listening to or overhear it. Um, and I think the reason for that is very likely, you know, the whole societal taboo of um, enjoying sex and wanting to talk mm. about it, you know. So I wondered what you know a lot of your messaging surrounding your work starts with the kind of inner journey that we have to take you know to accept our sexuality and our sensuality so what would you say to those right now who are listening in tentatively <laughs> who might be a little bit embarrassed <laughs> as we're speaking you know um I would say first off have compassion for yourself like where whatever you're feeling is totally normal it is like you mentioned, like such a societal thing, especially for women or people who are femme to not like to have shame around sex in so many different ways, whether it's like not liking it or liking it or wanting it or not wanting it. Like there's not like one right way to do the thing or it's like enjoy it or not enjoy it. And I just want to remind everybody that like there's no rush and finding your edge and finding the discomfort is important. Like you, it, it this journey, like a, a journey with sexual magic or erotic witchcraft is going to push you up against your edges. And that's, I think really important because that's where transformation happens. But at the same time, like you are the one that knows yourself better than literally anybody else in the world. And if you're at a point right now where it does not feel right to explore this, then there's no rush and you can take your time. And even with sex magic, like there's no rush to start it. There's no rush to do it a certain way. Um, it is your journey and you can take it at the right time. But like, if you're just feeling like embarrassed, I would say that like, that is okay. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about whether you like, like having sex or want to talk about it. Um, and that like, as long as this is happening between two consenting adults, then there's nothing wrong with like your desires or your desire to explore this part of yourself. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Um, yeah, I sort of thought, you know, it, it will there be, a, you know, if, is there going to be anybody there sort of thinking, oh, no, I'm not even sure if I really want to listen to this. <laughs> but that's <some laughs> great advice for, you know, just start, start with that, that inner journey <laughs> with ourselves. So why do you think these 
we have these hang-ups when it comes to talking about sex yeah I honestly like in my opinion um I the root of it I think that uh, the patriarchy is incredibly threatened by a woman in power specifically and a woman who is sexually liberated. Um, and like that, I feel like is such is so tied to like witchcraft and to like the story of the witch per- being perceived as a sexually liberated being, um, regardless if that is true in practice, because society so does not allow a woman to be in her power sexually specifically. Um, but I think that there's like, I, I honestly think it, it comes down to patriarchy. It comes down to people wanting people to be disempowered so they don't know themselves, so they can't make decisions that are aligned with who they are. Um, and sex is like one of the basic things that we do. Like we literally need to have sex to reproduce most of the time, right? Not that all sex leads to reproduction, but like we fuck, we eat, and we drink water. Like those are just the facts of human nature. So I think that... Um, it comes down to men in power who are threatened by people, especially women who are in their own power. Um, and I think that a lot of the reason we have so many kind of mixed, like shame and embarrassment or hangups is because society tells us a lot of different stories around our sexuality. We're told that if we're going to get pregnant, we're, if we have sex, we're going to get pregnant and die. We're told that if we have sex, then we're going to be dirty and that we're going to get STDs. And just a shout out to everybody having an std does not is not a moral failing does not mean you're dirty we don't i don't like using the word dirty or clean i say i'm negative or positive with testing um because plenty of people live with stds and it's totally fine like most people have herpes anyway you're not dirty unless you want to be a dirty little slut that's fine but um (laughs) that's not what i'm talking about here but you know we have these messages that were you know like um sex is really like harmful and really bad or that we are not doing it right and we have to take these medicines or do these things to our vaginas or our dicks to like have better sex we're told that we're if we're not having threesomes and orgies every weekend and like trying things that we're like prude and then we're told that if we're like doing all those things that we're slut and then we're told by like uh christian societies that we live in especially at least here in the united states that like sex is supposed to only look a certain way between a man and a woman in missionary position like we are overwhelmed with different perspectives and ideas and on top of that also sold sexuality in advertisements and told that we have to look a certain way to be sexual but then we're sexualized anyway if we no matter what we look like so our society is just not very it doesn't recognize that sex is like a natural thing that can be sacred if you want it it's kind of just like a lot of mixed messaging a lot of overwhelming messaging and then just like yeah like honestly I really think it comes down to people being threatened by a sexually liberated person yeah absolutely do you know what it reminds me of um that bit in the Adams family where uh, Wednesday's great aunt Calpurnia <laughs> which is actually burned as a witch <laughs> uh, because she danced naked in the town square and enslaved a minister <laughs> I just rewatched the Adams family and I love it so much like my mom loved the Adams family um and she like loved Morticia and Gomez and like I'm so grateful to have been raised with that movie mm-hmm. and show like yeah you know like and like Marcia like she's like oh that was her like she like when Wednesday does the painting and then shows her Wednesday uh, her mom or Morticia is so proud it's so cute but yeah it's like also like you know like in the love witch there's a line that's like you know like the history of like sexuality has like 
always been connected to witchcraft. Like I'm, it's not the exact line, but there, it definitely makes me think of that, that like, you know, whether we like it or not, like sexuality and witchcraft are linked, even if it's just in like the imagination of the oppressors, you know? So that kind of comes back to it, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, And sort of blaming, I don't know if any man, it has, I don't know, commits some sort of transgression or sees um a, a young woman and, you know, does whatever he does. And then, you know, what am I trying to say? Like blaming that the woman then, oh, she, mm-hmm. you know, she mm-hmm. actually, it's not my fault, wife, because <laughs> she yeah. enslaved me with her her ways. She, she cast yeah. a spell on me and, uh, you know, More and I couldn't yeah yeah, yeah. So we were a lipstick and like was wearing that like I couldn't you know it's 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 fucking rape culture it's it's really messed up but yeah it's like so much you know like it it shouldn't be that the victims of sexual abuse and sexual harassment are they should not be scared to like in more fear than the person doing the sexual abuse or sexual yeah. harassment like it is just you know, and I th- I'm really, really grateful that it, the tides are changing. I'm really grateful for the Me Too movement. I do think we're going in the right direction, but it, you know, like we need as many witches as we can helping to push the current in the right way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then be kind, like you say, be kind to ourselves in, in that journey and recognizing that there are things that we need to work on individually yeah. as well as collectively. And um, that like, for me too, reminding myself that like, it's, honestly, like you're never going to get rid of shame. Like you're never going to thousand percent get rid of it. And the way that I kind of see it is like a spiral dance, right? Like we start deep in the trenches of our shame or our hangups, right? When we begin this journey usually, and then we learn and we connect ourselves in a new way and the shame kind of dissipates and we kind of go, you know, like we're, we come back to it and we experience the shame again, but this time we're like at a higher kind of degree of our own um, self authority and self expression or self, um, just like self-awareness and the shame might be still be there, but it's a little bit less than last time. And you keep going and keep going, you come back to it and it's still there, but it's a little bit less than last time. Like I still feel shame around my like sexuality and sexual expression. Like I wrote a book about sexuality. Like it is not like a moral failing. It is just because we live in a world where there are a lot of different stories that we're being told and it takes a lot of work to unravel them. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so I know that your uh, your book, Sacred Sex, has a lot of uh, journal prompts that are quite, you know, good for kind of teasing that sort of mm-hmm. thing out of our, you know, out of ourselves and out of the shadow, <laughs> of our own shadows. Um, is that a good place to start if you're kind of thinking about getting into this um, or starting to incorporate sex magic into your practice? Is it best, you know, what would you, what would you say? Yeah, I think that especially if you're kind of like unsure, if you have some reservations or if you're nervous, I think starting with something like working with like the tarot and like journaling is a really good place to start because those tools have a lot of power to help us uncover the layers, like you said, of like our shadow or to like step out of that or into it, whatever you want, whatever phrasing you want. But, you know, like sexuality is definitely an embodied thing, but like our brain is also a big part of it. And I have found that journaling on things can help me release the hesitation and release the judgments I have on myself. Like journaling, the reason I love it so much is because first off, I'm an air sign, super air sign. So I'm just like love words. Obviously I'm a writer. So I like journaling. Um, but it's a place where you can be as true as you want. Like you're 
journal is truly, in my opinion, a safe space. It is where you can be bitchy. It's where you can be annoying. It's where you can be overwhelming. It's where you can be dramatic. It's where you can be, you know, as detailed as you want about your sexual experiences. And especially like when it comes to like, you know, like thinking about these things, journaling can help us just like use our mind to get into like, to get past it. You know, like I think a lot of the time for myself as well, it's like, until I get things on the page, they're going to just stay in my mind going a million miles an hour. So having that kind of like alchemical transformation of like, yes, you're thinking about these things, but now when you're writing it, it's becoming clearer and you're seeing these connections that you haven't made before. Um, I think it's a really good way to ease into sex magic without actually like practicing and that it can be a really kind of gentle and supportive first step for people who are looking to explore sex magic, especially around like redefining what sex is or what sex magic is or what the erotic is. Having your own kind of like compass is really internal compass, ethics and beliefs is really important. And starting with that kind of foundation, I think will be helpful for people who are like taking their first steps into actually the practice of sex magic. Mm, Absolutely. And I think with um, a lot of people or, you know, I mean, this is a complete, um, assumption (laughs) but a lot of people like it's difficult for them to even admit to themselves what they like and but but let alone admitting it to a partner or any future partners or anything so uh, journaling I mean with a lot of things is a really good way of um of uh, well writing it down it's just a way of admitting it to yourself as well like you've you've committed that I mean I know you can kind of rub it out again afterwards so if you're feeling like um you kind of don't want to fully commit but you kind of want to I'm daring myself to write it down (laughs) you know then journaling can kind of um eke that out of you I suppose as well definitely it's a place for like self-reflection and self-inquiry and honesty and I think that is a really valuable skill like you said especially because like we don't live in a society that fosters us knowing our desires and like supports us in that exploration of like what do I like what turns me on what like you know, like I definitely had to go through a journey for asking what I wanted with sex. Like it took me a long time. And like, now I'm at a point where it's like second nature, but like, it's really hard. And like, I had to do a lot of self-inquiry around what is it that I actually like? What is it that I like? Because I, I think I should like it. Um, and especially like getting familiar with your own desires and turn-ons both like with sex, but also just in life, like knowing the things that bring you pleasure outside of sex, knowing the things that help you connect to your like the erotic outside of like the bedroom, like those are all really beautiful things to know that can really, that will be super supportive in your sex magic practice and also just in your sex life, like knowing what turns you on and knowing your desires. And like, I think for me, it's a lot also of like, those things are really important. And it also is like coupled with like giving yourself permission to want, like to explore that, like being like, I'm allowed to like sex. I'm allowed to care about it. I'm allowed to learn about it. I'm allowed to enjoy it. I'm allowed to figure out what I want. Like, I literally have to tell myself sometimes it's okay to, you know, like want something or like something and like journaling or, um, you know, like voice noting or recording yourself and like a video if you don't like journaling. It's more just about like having the setting aside the time to do that self inquiry and like going against that kind of internalized like oh I shouldn't do this you know because it's so ingrained in so many of us yeah yes it really is it's really hard to detach from that um that voice in the back of your mind saying you know not sure or so I think what uh, discussing all of that with the uh journaling for kind of getting started into it I think it's probably a really good way as well I don't know what you what you think of because 
reading your book and maybe dabbling into other areas where people might start learning about this uh, might be a little bit intimidating and they might think oh all of a sudden they've gone from naught to 60 um, and yeah. they're like oh gosh like especially with um talking about kink and everything like that um what where would you say um you know what what would you say to anyone feeling a little bit intimidated by it and like where was a good place to start without feeling as if they're uh diving right in the deep end yeah <laughs> Um, I would say first off that like sex magic is more than just the act of actually like having sex and doing magic. In my eyes, it is a way of working with erotic and sexual energy intentionally. And that can mean things like dancing. It can mean things like eating delicious food. It can mean things like for me, like being stoned outside in the sunshine is like a fucking orgasmic experience. Like I always tell people, or I like to suggest noticing the places in your day-to-day life outside of you know the bedroom um that you feel pleasure that you feel connected to your heart that you feel connected to your body like noticing the ways that that energy what I call the divine erotic which to me is like shakti energy or like shakti like uh like the it is like to me the living like numinous force of the universe is alive and it is like an erotic force and it is a force of creation and rebirth and sustenance um and that is like something that expands past just sex so like is it like flowers that bring you pleasure is it getting a massage is it dancing is it running like when you're able to expand that perspective um it's really useful because it helps I think it can help you connect your sexuality in a way that feels less intimidating because it's not straight up sexuality it's more eroticism in my opinion um and I also those things that you notice that's why journaling is amazing because you have or like keeping a grimoire you have something tangible you know we we forget stuff if we don't write it down you know so or even like a note on your phone but having these a list of these things taking note of like what brings you pleasure or what brings you you know into like your heart or what like makes your like makes you wet whatever like recognizing those things and having like a list that allows those those things to kind of become correspondences that you can then use in rituals so like if you know that like dancing like for me like dancing and like roses and like you know like dry brushing and massage like those are all things that like really bring me pleasure and I can use those in rituals of self-devotion or in my exploration of sexuality um in a way that's like more than just like the act of sex so I I think just like noticing noticing what like makes you happy and what turns you on in like a heart way like is really powerful and can also help you weave this kind of sexual magic in your day-to-day life so it, it you know eventually but I think that that's kind of like a good place to just like start mm, absolutely um, I swear I say this in or have said this in every episode so far <laughs> I'm sure I have but um again it comes down to self-awareness and, yeah. and being and part of being a witch is 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 finding that Absolutely. that self like right within you so um yeah. yeah so make dedicating some time to practice finding out about that side of yourself um yes yeah, like a yeah beautiful way to co- kind of really connect with yourself yeah and again like you said it's a practice right like this shit takes commitment it's a lot of work it's you know like obviously very joyful and it should be bringing you more richness in your life and making you like I mentioned like a better person but it is something that you have to be devoted to you have to put if you want anything out of like a sex magic practice or like 
central, like using your sexuality, viewing your sexuality and honoring your sexuality as a part of your spiritual practice, then it is going to take, it is a practice. You're going to have to keep coming back to it. And that will also be such like a beautiful journey in itself because you kind of get to watch yourself evolve, like you said. And yeah, I think self-awareness is such like a focal point of witchcraft, like, because if you're not aware of like your own internal world, how are you going to connect to like the world outside in an intentional way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How are you going to, how do you even understand your own interpretations of the world around you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't really understand your interpretations of anything, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be said with, I mean, talk about gaining a deeper understanding. There's a lot to be said for um, working on that understanding of different energy energies and how to embody them, um, you know, and particularly with well, with anything, but speaking specifically about sex magic, um, what would you say to our listeners who might be feeling a little bit lost in that regard, especially if they're thinking, you know, at what, at, do I resonate more with the divine feminine or do I resonate with divine masculine? Or if they're thinking, well, actually, I don't feel like I fit in either. I kind of sway between the two or like, what would you say um, about that? Yeah, um, I say that like to not put pressure on yourself because if you're open and you're committed and you're like doing you know, the work necessary to discover these things that like, you'll figure it out in your own time. And to not discount the fact that what you believe in or the archetypes that you work with or the deities or the path that you take, like it may very well be extremely, extremely unique. It might not look like anybody else's path. And like, to me, that's like one of the joys of magic that we get to create a practice that is rooted in our in our life, in your life, in the interests that you have and what inspires you. So just like open your eyes, like know that like the paths are there. Um, I like in sacred sex, I have like the last half of the book is like six different paths that you can kind of take on this exploration, whether it's working with the divine masculine, working with the divine feminine, working with kink, working with um alchemy or like relationships like see like you I'm very of the belief that like eclectic magic is like that's kind of what I practice in a lot of ways where I kind of not necessarily chaos magic it but definitely like combine different things for what feels right for me um and I encourage people to like within reason obviously honoring the traditions but like know that you might just have to create something for yourself there might not be one archetype and that you're allowed to change your mind you're allowed to try something you're allowed to not like it you're allowed to figure it out and, you know, go from there. And also that like, um, it takes time. Sometimes you, you know, like the, the goddess comes to you or the path comes to you, but you can make your own path. And I think that, um, especially with sexuality, like it, it'll, it's, it's just, you can't really rush it. You just have to be honest. And again, journaling is really important because it helps us find patterns, you know, like we can see in our grimoire or in our journaling, like the things that keep showing up, the things that keep inspiring us and allowing like your outside life, your mundane life to be a part of that. Like what movies are you really drawn to? What kind of artists are you really drawn to? What are their lives like? Like what like colors and expressions and art and experiences inspire you? Like using that can kind of be a map into the archetypal expressions that your sexual magic may take. And again, you're allowed to like layer things. You're allowed to realize you not like things. And like that information of like, oh, I thought I was going to like this and I don't like it is really, really valuable. Just as valuable as like, you know, loving something. So um, yeah, I say just be open and like create a path for yourself. Like I know for myself, like 
again, like I started as a Wiccan and then kind of, you know, finished. I'm not a Wiccan anymore, but like, you know, there's like this thing where you have like a matron goddess and a patron God, like you have two deities that you're devoted to. And like, I carried that belief with me for a long time until I realized I could actually be devoted to more than one goddess. And now I'm devoted to a triad of goddesses of love. And like that has become like a huge part of my sex magic practice and my magical path. And like, I feel really, really grateful for that Trinity because it like fits in a lot of my other magic. And it's not something I saw. It's not something that I saw other people doing or talking about in the way that I'm doing. It's something that I came to through experience and through recognizing that actually like I cannot be you know devoted to more than one deity so um honestly like be an anarchist do what you want if it feels good again respect traditions and people's cultures and you know like do the deities themselves but know that like a lot of the time it's very DIY and creating your own path and that's really really beautiful yeah definitely definitely so we've talked a lot about um what you know those kind of who haven't delved into it so much before we've, t- we've talked about what they could do but how about those that might have already uh started on their path for uh, of you know incorporating sex magic into their practice like they they might have um you know incorporated it in, in any sort of way like maybe setting intentions before um you know and try and or like try doing sort of manifestation spells within um within their love making or in, or anything um what would you what would your piece of advice be for those who might be looking to kind of level it up a little bit what what kind of after that initial stage of stepping into it what would you say would be the kind of next level up if that makes sense or would you do you think about it in that kind of way yeah I think a lot of people come to sex magic for like manifesting and creating or you know receiving things I think it's a really really valuable practice for that but I think beyond that seeing sex magic as a devotional practice to the self and as something that you can use to um as like an offering, like whether it's to like the, like a deity or to your higher self or to like an intention you have around wanting to meet yourself more deeply. Like, I think that kind of devotional aspect and that intention beyond like just manifesting is probably a big thing. And, um, that can really shift the way that you see sex because it becomes something that's like very celebrated and, um, you know, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. Like, it's there's this kind of like when you're able to take the step out of just having sex magic be something that's I guess like um like it becomes an exchange instead of just something that you're receiving when it becomes devotional um but beyond that I think like if you actually want like a practice the practice of learning how to move energy through your body and work with sexual energy and like raising the energy through your body, orgasming at different kind of like energy centers and learning how to circulate the energy to raise it is like one of the steps that can kind of take that practice more advanced because from there, then you can like orgasm, like you can orgasm from like your heart chakra for something while like you can orgasm like, and like circulate the energy and like really kind of get into like the more advanced kind of like practices in that way. Um, But I think that like, stepping out of like the idea that we like do sex magic just to get things can also um widen your experience of sex magic as something beyond just like 
you know, masturbating to receive something. It, it becomes yeah. kind of more of like a lens to live your life and engage with your sexual energy and you become more conscious of it and more aware and in tune with it too, which is like kind of, I feel like um, a good indication that your practice is advancing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's that's um really interesting and really insightful as well. So do you incorporate any altars into your, uh, like do you dedicate an altar to, to the goddess of love like to the divine feminine and how does that kind of how does that marry up with your sort of sex magic practice if that makes sense like do you kind of have specific items on there that's only do you know what I mean (laughs) yeah I totally know what you mean so I'm devoted to Babylon to Isis or Aset um and to Venus and Isis is more of a goddess that she's I connect with her as a goddess of love Um, and as like a goddess of sexual sovereignty but like for me like she is kind of like the guiding force of like love for like my healing and for my magical practice so when I don't really do a lot of sex magic for her unless it's something around like healing in that way so I don't have like specific things for her on my altar that are related to my sex magic practice but for both Babylon and Venus um, I have an altar to each of these goddesses Um, And I, let me begin this by saying, I think altars are really, really powerful. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It is something I talk about in every single one of my books and all my work because altars act like a focal point. Um, They act as an energetic center of our devotion, of our workings. It becomes a place that you can go to for refuge. It becomes a place that you can go to, to experience the beauty of magic or the divine and it becomes somewhere that you can, you know, do these practices like spells and rituals, you know, like there, you put your candles there, you put your items, your statues there. Um, and for me, like I have these altars to goddesses, but I also have specific sex toys that I work with, like for just for sex magic um, with like the different goddesses. So, like I have a rose quartz crystal dildo from Chakrabs that is devoted to Venus. I have a butt plug with a rose on it that's devoted to Babylon. Like I have collars for my different goddesses. I have toys that I've like consecrated and, you know, done rituals with. And those become kind of like items that I can work with as like correspondences in my ritual. Um, And I think to me too, like, especially as somebody who is devoted specifically to the goddess, like one of her language to me is beauty. Um, I find the goddess through beauty and beauty like sexuality is something that has been deemed unimportant or like lesser than because it's something that like women honestly experience you know like makeup and glamour and adornment and beauty and art are all frowned upon for the most part because they're we're told it's frivolous but like walk into any church or any temple or any mosque that like and you'll beauty is a part of the experience of the divine right like there's a reason that like you go into a church and you're overwhelmed at like the stained glass and like the cathedral, like all of it, like it is part of the numinous is a sense of beauty and altars to me act as um, an expression of that as well. Like making an altar beautiful is part of it. Like taking the time to create something that helps you connect to goddess, or in this case, if you're making an altar to your own sexuality, it helps you remind yourself of like this being a path of devotion first and foremost to yourself, like sex magic sexuality sex in general like that is a relationship that you will always have with yourself no matter what no matter if you're single or divorced or dating or widowed like 
people come and go, but that relationship with yourself is always there and it's yours and you don't need anybody else there to honor it and to explore it. And I think having an altar to that, to yourself, um, to your sexuality, to self-love can help you remember that. And especially seeing it every day and interacting with it every day and making that like a habit, um, it can be really, really powerful. And like, I usually will like when I go to Trader Joe's I'll always buy roses for each of my goddesses and I love having roses on my altar and like I you know like make sure that like things look good for me so I can like enjoy it um and my altar is on my um it's like all across my dresser so like when I wake up like it's like what I see like if I'm sitting in bed I see my altars and like I really love that like that is the focal point of my room and to me, that's like really what transforms your room. It's like a shrine to like yeah. self-love or sacred sexuality. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And um, especially um, being there and seeing it and enjoying it. Um, in, in our bedroom, we have um, our the altar that we had for our wedding, um, like around as a headboard around uh, with uh, our dried wedding flowers on there. And a um, uh, at the end of the room uh, so we see it from where we are um and uh, like a love altar there as well we've got scales on it to kind of keep the balance that's such relationship goals I love it I love that so much so, so cool. but um but you're absolutely right in that seeing it there and and having that um reminder and those items that are kind of sacred to you in in your own ways and with your own relationships with you know with love and with with sex and everything and that's you know it makes it really um so personal yeah, <laughs> and, exactly yeah absolutely um so thank you this has been absolutely fascinating uh really lovely to speak about I could probably go on all day <laughs> and pick your brain forever <laughs> Um, but I have one very unrelated but very important question to ask uh before we finish up and that is if there were going to be a Gabriella Hurstick movie who would play you in that movie <laughs> oh my god I've thought about this and I don't know honestly like I mean honestly like I would kind of love Helena Bonham Carter to do it I'm not gonna lie yes. I love yes. her my Gemini queen like probably like I'm thinking of like people who like pull off my energy and like you have to be able to dress like me so like maybe like her or like Rooney Mara. I feel like Rooney Mara could potentially do a good job because I've seen the girl with the dragon tattoo and I love that movie. She's a badass, but um, I'm just gonna go with Helena Bonham Carter. I think it'd be a totally different energy than my energy, but like I would enjoy it. So yeah, I'm just- yeah, it'd be really good. You <laughs> might make it a little bit more um, because you're quite sort of like well speaking to you today. Uh, you're quite chill, whereas I feel like if she was going to, it would be a little bit more chaotic. It'd be slightly more. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty chaotic in real life so I definitely have the air sign maybe ADHD thing going on so I I get her but she Mm. would I just I don't know I have to think about it like they have to be able to pull off slutty outfits that is a staple of my my expression so could she pull off a half shaved head and like a weird outfit I don't know but I love her she could definitely pull off weird outfits so maybe I think she could pull off anything to be fair I think she could do it I love her I love her All right. Well, thank you so much for um, for speaking with me today, speaking with us, our listeners as well. Um, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for having me. It was super, super fun as well for me. So thank you very much for tuning in again today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you like this episode, you can enjoy it ad-free by becoming a Witchology subscriber. Not only do you get access to this podcast and lots of bonus episodes, 
You will also get a print subscription to our magazine as well as cauldrons full of additional content on our exclusive members area on the website. Head to www.witchologymagazine.com forward slash subscriptions to find out more. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.